With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charlie Walters, the big shooter. I got one thing to say to the crew of the Ride with Brighty. Let's kick them ass. <laughs> well, we're getting down there. Uh, we got the state fair coming up, and uh, we're going to try to kick some ass. That's for sure. Uh, Dave uh, St. Peter has tweeted this out. When the, now that the Twins have released their schedule, and we all knew this was coming, apparently, for 2019, an opening series against... The Cleveland Indians, Thursday, March 28th, then an off day on Friday, March 29th, on the outside chance we might have a postponement. Sure. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday, March 30th and 31st. Now, I think this is a couple days earlier than when they played St. Louis when they first opened it in 2010. Was that March 30th and 31st Mm -hmm. they played? Something like that. So this is by far the earliest, and we're talking even when they played in the Metrodome. They didn't open this early, okay? <laughs> uh, well, uh, two good, two things to think of. I read today it's going to be an El Nino winter. Which, which we're in favor of. Which we like, that's yeah. uh, warmer. Mm-hmm. But now you once in a while you get yourself a nice butt-kicking snowstorm with an El Nino. Well, you got to have a couple and, throughout the winter. And the winter. other the other thing is, of course, is they're often wrong about that. That's so it, it it could maybe not happen. But uh, Dave St. Peter, always the optimist, tweeted out highs temps in the Twin Cities on March 28th over the past three years. 52 in 18, 64 in 17, and 59 in 16. Now, last year, as you recall, what was about three, four days before they opened, it was pretty good. And then on Thursday that they opened, I think the high was 31, and then it got colder. But when they played on Saturday, it was 27 when the game started. And I looked it up, the... Uh, windshield was nine when they played that game on Saturday. Oh, my God. So uh, they're obviously taking a big, big chance with this. This this offends me for one reason. The final four will be at U.S. Bank Stadium the following weekend, and almost all Minnesota hotels for that week are booked through April 9th. If the Twins started on the road, they would have to start the season with a road trip as long as 12 games. No. They can find... 40 hotel rooms for the Cleveland Indians. Can't they? I've said this before. What? This is all BS. This is all BS. First of all, if you come in final four week on the Monday, 
Tuesday and Wednesday of the Final Four, 80% of the people don't come to town till Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah. Right. You got three days. Play ball. <laughs> A, they're lying about that. And B, uh, hotels booked through April 9th. I think that they are suggesting that, okay, the Final Four would be pay, played April 8th, right? The championship game is going to be April 8th. Uh, Monday, April eighth. Yes, uh, that seems a little. Everybody's late. everybody's bailing out on the morning of April 9th. They're out of here. They're not booked through April 9th. You're lying. You can get hotel rooms for April 9th. You could play April 9th. Here's what I don't. What I want to know. When did we start? When did baseball start scheduling games this early in the calendar year? Because it hasn't been that long, well, correct? Well, no, last year when the players got the extra five days off. That's when it started, was yes. just last year. Yeah, Because it's, a, it's absurd that off. it starts that early. Yes, it is. There's only one solution, 154 games. Because yeah. they won't take away the, the number of off days that they have? You don't think they'll go back to the well, old format? Just, well, maybe the players will come and say, on second thought, you don't have to give us these five Because we're playing in Minneapolis yeah, when the yeah, wind chills not. Because you know, the owners aren't going to want to go for the 154-game schedule. I think they would, Manny. You, I think, you think that, so? I think that there's enough games that don't draw any. If well, you look at the crowd in Chicago them, today. If you subtract them from your division, hmm. if you subtract them from, you know, would we really feel bad if we only were allowed to see the White Sox 16 games instead of... 18 or 17 games. Maybe for us, but what if, what if well, you're... the Yankees and the Red Sox, right. but 17 is enough. Yeah. 17 is enough. You know, it's at 16, 17 I, games. I agree with you. Yes. I just, I mean, we yeah. know how, we know how billionaire sports oh, sure. owners think. I mean, well, anytime a little bit, it's more, you know, you know it's yeah. more... Well, yeah, the TV, the TV and, and stuff and the boys yeah. want to have the Red Sox and the Yankees as often as they can. But now they still... Half the time they end up scheduling all their games in the early season, in the middle of the summer, and they don't have it. You're playing the line. I think this week they do. This year they do play in September, but half the time they don't play in September, yeah. which is when you want them to play. But we don't care about that TV wise because it's football season. And well, that and you also have to worry about your World Series being played, that, like you were mentioning yes. earlier in November. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a problem too. So yes, I I think uh, one fifty. You know, not only would one fifty four be great, it would be a return to tradition that was existed till nineteen sixty one, and it would be a good example for the other leagues. Then the other leagues, like the NBA and the NHL, that have permission to go to 78 or something. You know, I like I've, I've long felt for a couple of years I thought the NBA should, instead of starting the season earlier and trying yeah. to get rid of the back-to-backs, just shorten the season to 76 games. Yeah, I've always thought 76 and games it's, is and, and with the NBA, they're making so damn much money. Mm-hmm. Those three extra home games don't make any money. I mean, they're not. You know that's money, obviously, but it's not enough to make or break. Especially it. when you got, especially with the NBA, where you got teams that are tanking, and I mean, who wants to go watch the yeah, and then Sacramento you, Kings? And then you also, until LeBron set a fine example last year and played all eighty-two, you got the stars that are sitting down, sitting down. Yeah, who so, is the um, who is the pitching coach for the White Sox? Is it Don Cooper still? Yes. Um, well, they brought in Hector Santiago with a seven to three lead in the ninth inning. <laughs> Wow. And he and gave up the first two base runners. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, went two and one to Logan Forsyth, and Don popped up out of his seat oh. and just started screaming at Hector Santiago. Oh, why did they do that? I don't know. What are they trying to? I, are they taunting us? I don't know. What are they trying to do? <laughs> but Don Coop, when you were talking to Manny, I looked up and he had his hand in front of his face, and I don't think anything he said to Hector in that little uh, meeting he's, could be played on our air. Of that. Oh man, of he that had the Don big Coop. red rear end. He's man. the guy that survived when they fired Ozzy, right? He was supposedly one of the guys backstabbing Ozzy. Was he Ozzie, there really. before Ozzy? Former twin, great too, by the way. You know, that's right. Sure that's right. Was. He's a complete jackass. Oh, <laughs> no, he's a he's a bad guy. Okay, but then Hector's a bad pitcher too. That was a that was a strike. All right. Well, anyway, there there are solutions, but baseball isn't interesting. Are we going to go through the one sixty two win loss like we do with the Vikings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. I don't think loss. we got enough time left. Loss. Loss. I don't think we got enough time That's left, loss. and I'm not talking about today. Right. <laughs> Maybe when we get back from the fair, we'll be looking for material. Pat Terrell covers the Bengals for ESPN.com in Cincinnati. Uh, Cat, I was reading your Twitter feed, and you've learned a lesson. Don't go anywhere without your computer. Is that right with this franchise? Uh, yeah, no kidding. I thought this franchise, out of all franchises, it was okay. Uh, I used to cover the Saints, and they were always doing something unexpectedly. But uh, it's been an interesting year for the Bengals. So I, I just learned uh, my backpack should probably be with me at all times. <laughs> all right. Uh, what are we getting here in George Iloka? I think I think you're going to – I think the Vikings are going to get a great leader. Um Someone who already knows Mike Zimmer well, I think that's going to help a lot. Uh, I think he said today he felt comfortable in the system. I mean, it, as far as a late training camp move can go, I think it's going to be pretty smooth. Um, he's definitely going to be missed or around the Bengals. I just think that the Bengals front office felt that he didn't play as well as they would have liked last year, and they were just ready to move on with their younger safety they drafted. Now, uh, the... Uh you 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 said also on Twitter that he was a really easy guy to cover, a, a great guy, uh, straight shooter, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, he was one of my favorite players to cover. Uh, he's hilarious. Um, he actually, uh, Vikings fans should go search for this. There's a his engagement video from last year is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, he's always doing stuff like that, and you know it's it's cool when players actually get a chance to show their personality, and, and he definitely has one. But uh, I think that the Vikings got a good player. I think, you know, he's only, uh, I, I might be wrong on this, 28, 27. So he's got a lot more to give. And what, uh, is it just, uh, I know they like the safety they drafted in the second round. but uh, And you said that they they didn't think he played as well uh, last year as he had previously. Was it the 6.2 more than anything that drove him off then? I honestly just think they felt like he didn't, Part of it, I think, was that they felt like he didn't create enough big plays. He didn't force enough turnovers last year. And, and it, they emphasized turnovers so much lately that I think they've been looking for someone who can do that. I mean, last year he had one interception. Um, I don't think he had any forced fumbles. You know, that's down from 2016 when he had three. And I think that they went looking for someone who could maybe force more interceptions and turnovers and, and things like that. And it's not to say that I look at can't, but 
I think they're just ready to move on. And, you know, the, the salary does matter in that if a guy is going to be your third safety and he doesn't really play that much special teams, then you're not going to pay him that much money to do that job. Uh, there was, if he made less money, you know, he yeah. still would be the third safety. If there, there was some uh, suggestion that uh, perhaps uh, Mike Brown wasn't a big fan of his, uh, he's a bit been bit a bit outspoken on social justice. Do you buy that at all? I don't, because if that was the case, then it would have been a problem a year or two ago. I, mm-hmm. I don't. That wouldn't have mattered at all if they felt like. Iloka played better. It really didn't. I know that that's the conspiracy theory going around because people are thinking, why did he get caught all of a sudden in camp? Well, I mean, it's not all of a sudden. The the Bengals tried to make a move for Kurt Coleman at the Combine, and they couldn't get him because he signed with the Saints, so they decided we'll see what happens in the draft, and they drafted Jesse Bates, and they finally saw that he was playing well enough to go forward, and that's why they cut Iloka now so that he could find another team quickly. Obviously, he did. So it's not some larger conspiracy theory. It was really just about his play, as far as everything I've been told. Is he a uh, he's a he's a strong safety type, a big tackler. Uh, I also saw a suggestion that he might have to change his ways a little on his hits. Yeah, people also ask me that if they think there's a new helmet rule in the way he plays, it scared the Bengals off. And I would also say no to that because. They've stuck by Vontez perfect all these years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's certainly gotten suspended for the way he plays. The funny thing is, when Iloka initially did get suspended, uh, I believe that it was appealed and overturned. Sometimes it's hard to remember. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember that play. It happened in the Steelers game uh, against Antonio Brown in the end zone, and that was just the craziest game. And I, I totally missed it with all of the injuries and things like that. Um, but now I think he's just going to have to adjust, just like everybody else, and it's going to be a long year in that regard i'm not sure the nfl quite has that figured out yet well uh we we had example a of that here uh last weekend so uh so uh what's uh how's the coach for life doing (laughs) i mean there was we were never more certain that marvin was out than last year and marvin's still there that's right it happened the day the the Bengals played the vikings it's kind of funny i think in For me, the closer it got to the end of the season and there was no news on that, the more I thought he was going to come back. I just think the team felt like when they looked at the options out there, he provided the best option. The Bengals really love continuity, obviously, Uh, (laughs) with Marvin. But, you know, before before Paul Alexander left, their offensive line coach left to go to the Cowboys, he'd been there for 24 or 25 years. It's kind of crazy, but... Actually, they did change a lot this year. They do have pretty much an all-new assistant staff. They have new coordinators, and that's big for the Bengals, as well as parting ways with some of their veterans, like Iloka. I mean, before, they didn't do that. They kind of had them all play out their entire contract. So for them to make these moves, to move on from Iloka and Adam Jones and Brandon O'Fell, that's actually very rare for them. It can't. Uh, so if you if you come to town and see what the Vikings have built out here in, in Egan, I mean it's a it's the two hundred and some million dollars worth of uh, absolute everything you could imagine in a practice facility. Uh, the, when are the Bengals uh, gonna get with it? Or, uh, I mean, is this is this are they going to continue to uh, uh, settle for the uh, least uh, when it comes to facilities? You know, it's funny. I was actually thinking about George earlier, and I thought he had to 
think he hit the jackpot when he saw that facility because you know obviously I'm, I'm close friends with with Courtney Cronin who I know yes. comes on your station and uh, I think she showed me pictures of the facility and I mean it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> the Bengals are not quite there yet. I don't know that they'll ever have an outdoor. I mean an indoor practice facility as long as Mike Brown is alive and. You know, their facilities are okay, but it's certainly not state-of-the-art. Like, the Vikings or, or the Broncos' new facility which also looks fantastic um, with the cryo machines and everything. So, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely different. I, I don't know when they're going to take that step, but the next step would be an indoor practice facility, and that's not coming anytime soon. And yeah, So they're still practicing down there under the bridge, basically, huh? <laughs> underneath the uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> underneath the bridge. So, what are the uh, is the is the crowd is the uh, fan base a little depressed right now? Optimistic? Where are they? I would not use the term optimistic. I think fans are frustrated. I think they wanted to see more change than they got at the end of last season. And I think there's it shows in a lot of ways. I think, and the biggest is that I think that. Come the their their home opener against the Ravens in week two at the stadium's not going to be filled. Wow! So that's a big thing for a small market team like Cincinnati. I mean that means something. I think some other teams could get away with that, but I mean they really do care about ticket sales and things like that. And um, it remains to be seen how many fans are going to show up because they're frustrated, and I think they want to show that they're frustrated. Is Dalton uh, is Dalton in the in bad with the fans right now, or what? What are they? Did they they ready to move um, on from him, or is he not the? They don't feel that way. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of fans want AJ McCarron to play, uh, but I think I think it's more about Marvin Lewis than Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton can play well. In 2015, when they started undefeated, he was playing as well as almost anybody, and then he got hurt. And the last few years, he hasn't played well. You know, Andy Dalton is what he is, but I think he needs a cast around him, and they've kind of taken steps to do that. I think their wide receivers are, are better. Uh, they're trying to fix their offensive line, which has been a big problem. Don't know if they've really done that. Their right side is, is a huge problem. So it just I, – I don't know. I think – I think a lot depends on that offensive line. I, I'm not sure that Dalton can overcome that, but you know maybe he can. I, he just he needs to take a big step forward. It's kind of really all on his shoulders this year, and it's kind of. I mean, we always say make or break year, but I think this is it. <laughs> Did Iloka get a uh, a positive uh, send off uh, yet? I saw your initial Twitter. Uh, they didn't even give him a statement. They just said he was gone. Have, have they issued any uh, uh, pl- platitudes for him or anything? They haven't, but I don't. I don't think it meant. I don't think it meant anything that they didn't. Mm-hmm. I think um, when when Brandon LaFleur was released, they did send out a statement. But then when someone asked Marvin Lewis later if he would make a comment on for television, he said, "No, I don't comment on players that have been released." You know, like <laughs> why would I do that? And so I wonder if after that he was just trying to treat every single player the same. I'm not sure. It, it comes across as very cold to me. I think if a player plays for your team that long, you should, I mean, at the very least, send a generic statement out. But um, I don't think it meant they were mad at him or anything like that. But, I mean, it's, it's not the best look. I mean, at least in my opinion, though. All right, Kat. Hey, thanks for your time.
Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Kat Terrell. Uh, she covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the ESPN.com, and that's got to be an interesting job. No kidding. Because you're going to get nothing from Mike Brown. Yeah. And I, the other thing about Mike Brown is, obviously, the more the media and the fans tell him what to do, He's not going to do it, mm-hmm. right? This is season number 16 for Marvin Lewis there, I think. Yes, and there, there was no doubt all, check out the middle of last season from Schefter and all the boys. This was, this he was, gonna he be was it gone. For Marvin, he, yeah. he could not survive this time. The more they said that, the stronger he became. Now he made Marvin change the whole coaching staff, but he's uh, still got Marvin there, I, which, you know, considering the way they... Uh, Treat the roster. I, I don't. And, and it think does. Marvin has to go. I mean, and and you know, Marvin. It's probably close to being time for Marvin to go. I mean, it'll depend on how this year goes. But it does kind of say something that he's had a couple of assistants under him get head coaching jobs and have done. You know, I mean, Zimmer's done a yeah. done a nice job yeah. here, and you know, Jay Gruden's doing okay in Washington right now. So, I mean, that kind of. I guess that kind of counts for something. That guys that have served under him are doing okay. So if the Vikings flop and Zim gets fired, do you think he might go back to Cincinnati? To be the defensive coordinator? No. The, the, be the head coach? The head coach should replace Marvin. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, if they flop. And, because, you know, after spending $84 million for a quarterback. Well, then they could uh, trade then, Cousins if, for if, Dalton. If, yeah. yeah. Well, and then what will happen is Dalton will flame out, and then Zim can uh, trade for Teddy. That's all yes. Teddy, Teddy will end up yeah. Teddy as a quarterback with the trade. Bengals. He'd rather be in Cincinnati in that dump of a facility if he could have Teddy. He would any with anything for Teddy. He'd go to Oakland and play in the old stadium That's if right. he could have Teddy. <laughs> we'll be back. Sports update. What's up? Thank Slugger. you, Patrick. Sorry, mm-hmm. we were we were just gabbing in here. Oh, no, State actually, more Kenny was yelling at us. That's, as uh, that, that, that was going. That happens. State Fair time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twins and White Sox. Game two of their short uh, two-game series was played this afternoon in Chicago. Uh, didn't go so well for the Twins. It started well. Jorge Polanco with the two-run homer for the Twins in the first inning. But Kyle Gibson, uh, he couldn't hold it. Gave up three home runs. Uh, the final in that one, 7-3 to three White Sox. Hector Santiago finishing that one out. It are interesting. The that, was, uh, that was the worst uh, Gibby has been, I would say. He was yeah. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Mitch Garver had a... <laughs> moment, moment for you're, the season. You're still like, bugged by that. They're right? showing. Just, uh, they're they're showing this one at Williamsport to uh, have all the little ladies laugh. What at was him. he doing? Man, nothing. you got to learn. Nothing. You, you can't take this stuff personally, man. No, I'm not taking it they're personally. They're not doing just, it to like make throw, you mad. Like no, they're doing it to make you mad. There's two guys sitting at third base. Take the out. You got to learn to take these things uh, calmly, like they, I do. They have nothing against you personally, man. Just, just oh, they hate your the whole ball. family. I think they take hate your out. whole family. Tag somebody. Do yeah. something. Don't just stand there. And the Gosh. other part about it, Manny, it was seven to three. So just take it out at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I just wanted to see if Manny'd get mad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, uh, we do have a personnel uh, uh, thing uh, for the Twins today, Patrick. Oh, really? What's yeah. new now? They've released Taylor Motter. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. He'd been playing at Rochester, of course. That's the guy with long hair, Kenny. Yes, right. Yeah, Joe's weed yeah, connection. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> the 20, yeah, I had a hunch he might not survive too much longer. 28-year-old Motter has only seen 16 games of Major League action this year, uh, although he did play for a while 16, with Seattle. too many. <laughs> 
Since he was claimed off waivers from the Mariners in late May, he spent most of the time with Rochester. Uh, on the year, he carried a 187 batting line in 364 appearances in the Seattle and Minnesota So systems. was he in the Seattle system, or was he on the club? He was with Seattle uh, for the last, the last several years, actually, Oh, uh, they, up and down, minor, oh. minors, majors. Oh, all right. so. Maybe he should fly here, and we can give him and Rookie two-for-one haircuts. Mm-hmm. He'll be back. He'll, he's probably, both oh, that's here. right. He's been in Rochester. Swing and a miss. That well, was a bad one. Swing and a miss. Right. Twins, well, you, you yelled some pretty awful things at him with that haircut mm-hmm. today, by the way. You know when that line would work? Mm-hmm. Out at the state fair when people could see Rook's hair. Yes. There. Try it tomorrow. Try it again tomorrow. It's a cry for yeah. attention. <laughs> Twins 2019 schedule announced. They'll open up with probably what will be a chilly three-game series against the Indians at Target Field. March 28th. 30th and the 31st. After that, they'll hit the road for 10 days to Kansas City, Philadelphia, and New York where they'll play the Mets. Uh, by the way, all 30 teams play on March 28th, the earliest ever excluding international games, and we will have early international games in next Japan, year. Also. Right, right at, in Japan. At yeah. the Tokyo Dome, it'll be the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's March 20th and 21st to kick Come off on, the season. Come on, Calcutta Clipper! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we found out today single game tickets for the Wilds upcoming season will go on sale at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday, September 15th at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, that's at the box office there. Uh, also later in the day at 10 in the morning, September 15th, you'll be able to buy them through Ticketmaster uh, starting at 10 that morning. Do we know what the, did they say anything about the season ticket renewal rate, which last year was like 97% or something? I did not see that on the press. I got to think it fell off a little, aren't a Fans little. are a little disgusted. Well, what they? do you mean? All we did had to do was some tweaks. Yeah, we did. That's oh, right. You know tweaks. what? I, I, I thought they are going to make big trades, but they that's all they've done so far is tweak. Tweaks. Tweak, tweak, tweak. <laughs> the Ohio State Board of Trustees met today to discuss the university's findings from their investigation into head coach Urban Meyer. Uh, Board Chairman Michael Gasser opened the meeting at 9 this morning with a brief public session. The meeting then moved into a closed executive session. The university released a statement today that the board would go behind closed doors for the entirety of the personnel matters discussion. Uh, Meyer was actually seen arriving at the Longaberger Alumni House this morning. Camera crew from Columbus TV station followed him. His wife, Shelly, also spotted walking this afternoon into a back entrance of the building. Later, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith got there about 5 Eastern time. As the meeting stretched on for almost seven hours, fans gathered outside the building. After five hours, the Associated Press reported Meyer was still in the building, and some trustees emerged from the meeting room to take a break. An Ohio State spokesperson said there was no guarantee a resolution would be announced right after the meeting. So we may know nothing Mm -hmm. for so Urban Urban will get suspended for what two games, two, and, games and it'll yeah. be. I think he'll get the, suspended, right? Yeah. The the first two games, of course, that Ohio State play are against Oregon State and Rutgers. So, okay. Oh, yeah. they, I like their chances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, with or without Urban. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spurs guard Mano Ginobili is yet to commit to playing and is quote seriously <laughs> considering retirement. Yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> I thought he was. Are they seriously considering retiring him? That's what I yeah. want. Uh, the 16-year veteran will meet with Greg Popovich later this week, according to Woj. The two-time All-Star has been working out at the Spurs facility in the offseason, but says uh, so far hasn't said whether he'd like to come back for a 17th season. He has one year and $2.5 million remaining on his contract. He's the last Spur remaining from San Antonio's 2000 score of Ginobili, 
Tim Duncan, and Tony Parker. Duncan's retired. Parker, now a member of the Charlotte Hornets. Thank you, Johnny. You bet. And that will do it. The Los Angeles Sparks take down the Minnesota Lynx and are headed to the second round. What was the run against them? Thirty-eight to seven or thirty-eight to nine? Yeah, or something it was. Like they that? were the the Lynx were up by nine. No, you were thinking of the then, Eagles Vikings thirty-eight to seven. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, it was like thirty to seven or something like that. Wow. Yeah. What the heck? That's. Uh, uh, I don't know. Was Sylvia playing well? What do you think about uh, Maya's season? She ended up being second team. All WNBA, but that was maybe I, uh, that was, she was maybe grandfathered in for that. She had a little stretch there in the middle when they played well, when she had 30 a couple of times, right? And she had four or five great games, but she did not shoot the ball well this year. And last night she did not shoot it well again. I think what, I think the biggest problem that they had was that one, they were relying on her so much yeah. to carry the load offensively, especially when, you know, Lindsay was struggling and Simone was having some off nights. And Sylvia, you know, Sylvia was good, but Sylvia would get double teamed and then she wouldn't know how to kick it out to somebody she's being not open. Much or, of a, she's a bit of a black hole when she gets the ball Sometimes, inside. yeah. I think she gets, I think she starts to go into panic mode a little bit when they double team her and teams mm-hmm. kind of key in on her a little bit. And Maya... You know, Maya had to work really hard for the shots that she was taking, even the even the shots that she was making. You know, that I just think that they struggled to get a lot of free flowing offense going where everything just sort of where they were able to set up good shots and everything. Everything was isolation and tough shots and, and everything. So Collar is a season ticket holder for the Lynx. Yeah. And uh, you have you've gone uh, several times this year. You both agreed uh, when they played a, a, a pretty good game a couple of weeks ago, and they started the uh, the, the foreign kid, the, the Zandalasini, yeah, Cecilia Zandalasini, yeah. yeah, and she's an Italian kid, yep, and second year in the and league, and because Brunson was hurt, and you said she made some shots and kind of gave Maya Moore some space. What happened to that? Did she stop she, making she, shots? She just stopped they... making shots. Yeah, okay. that's 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 pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't watch. Uh, I forgot that the game was on last night. <laughs> well, that'll cause a problem. Yeah. Well, but I but usually I was telling Manny off the air. I usually will watch the Lynx when they're in the playoffs because it's you know it's for the most part good basketball. But this does really have the feel of it's over. Oh yeah, the run. Well, <laughs> that they have. Well, what's interesting? One of the most interesting things is uh, in the stretch when they got within four, right? Uh, about three times they got within four. Simone wasn't on the court. Oh really? Yeah, I mean she was she wasn't playing down the stretch. So what uh, I is, think, is it her um, defense that they uh, don't like now? I think Simone. I think if if because I believe she's a free agent this this off season. Mm-hmm. I think they need to look at approaching her about a bench role next year. Mm-hmm. Just being being a scorer to come off the bench and she's, give them, that's give what them she some is. energy. How, as yeah. she as she at one time a good defender. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, and in her in her prime, yeah. They, but I think it's just you know she's been in the league a long time, and I mean she can come in and give them make some shots. fifteen sixteen minutes of just making buckets and mm-hmm. you know just getting hot if they're down by a few points she can get she can get them going. But uh, it's uh, uh, was she supposed to be guarding Gray or uh, who was trying to guard Gray? 
Everybody? I think a little bit of everybody. But Gray has just been, I mean, she's been a Lynx mm-hmm. killer. I mean, ever since they've been playing those, playing the Sparks every year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. she's always been... Mm-hmm. She's always been a tough matchup for them. She had a well in the finals last year. I think it was game one where she hit the she had a game winner. I think against them. Now they got Maya signed here, so there's no free agency or anything. Any chance that they move her for a for the first overall draft or a high nah. draft choice or something? You think I, they keep her? Yeah, they'll, they'll keep her. The, I think the, they'll try and. I mean, and I heard Collar talking about that this morning. That the thing that they will have working for them this off season is that. People will want to come here because of the the history of winning, and yeah. Maya's a good player, and Sylvia's a good player, so they'll be able to attract free agents, and but they just have to be yeah, crafty with their money. It's not a franchise that's going to up and leave and go someplace else or something. No, like it's that. healthy. They're, yeah. They're here. What you know, is a dumb question, but what is the normal uh, career length for a, a the average WNBA player? Is it a Simone ten year run? Simone pushing it along. Simone and Whalen both pushed it to the outer edge. That's for sure. Well, Brunson's been been in the league for fifteen, sixteen oh, wow. years. I okay. think. Yeah, right. she's Brunson's been in the league for a while. So. Is she cooked? She she's another one. I think that they have to look at same way with Simone. I think mm-hmm. if they bring her back, because I think she's a free agent too. I think if they bring her back, it's got to be kind of in a bench role. I mean, they got to get they got to get younger. They got to get some some fresher well, legs that can carry more of the load and take some pressure off of Maya. And I think some of the older players are going to have to have a little bit of a reduced role. Here's what I found uh, interesting: is they proudly announced that they'd signed Robinson to a contract extension, and did she play last night? She had Robinson. No, first, she's she's been out. Robinson because okay. she hurt her ankle. Yeah, oh, she's okay. been out for a couple she's weeks out. now. Okay, yeah, so that's why Lindsay had to start playing again. Then yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, and Lindsay uh, apparently Lindsay was battling in the second uh, in the fourth. I didn't she, watch all. She, of them. she hung in there. She yeah. hung in there, but but defensively they just that's been their big problem, right? They don't. I mean, defensively the inside they don't. Yeah, and and I think offensively they've got to they've got to find a way to get more of a free-flowing offense going. I mean, they can't just rely on fouls and, and Maya Moore to carry the load my, offensively for them. Here is my observation of the Lynx, not from studying them that closely, but much like the NBA, the shooting is so much better yeah. in the WNBA than it used to be yep. that they, these teams now have outside shooters. Yeah. And, and the Lynx have been... They the, don't, the Lynx have been at the in the bottom yeah. of the league in three point shooting. So is that a philosophy that both of those organizations yes, over there? I think I think that's have. we're I think seeing that some similarities, Glenn, right? Glenn Taylor might uh, have a philosophy. That, you know, you're, you're not going to shoot threes now, are you? Right, no, right. Don't we don't know. like that. We I, don't like that here. I, I shouldn't yeah. say that because people might take it serious. Right. So. Well, what you do know, we? Can, we got. A, it's the pitch to contact. That's of right. It's right. the pitch to contact of basketball. And by the way, you know what my reaction was to this cold weather schedule of the Twins announced? What? Cheap pull ads. Oh, my gosh. That's right. They're trying to see. Yes. See, they don't want to have to. Wait, wait, wait. They're not stuck with the Cleveland hotel bill. I was going to say they didn't want to pay Cleveland's expensive hotel bill during the, the final, final four, four. But I don't think that affects them. That's so. true. Okay. But I, it's still their fault. That's right. Reason. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick. Leading off the fifth for Oakland was Ricky Henderson. Tension mounted with each pitch as the count reached three and two. Would Henderson be strikeout number 5,000? 
reaching back a bit extra, Ryan came in with his money pitch. The big heat. He struck him out clean. Strikeout number 5,000 is history for Nolan Ryan. Yes, sir. On this day in history, uh, Nolan Ryan registered his 5,000th strikeout. Still the only pitcher in Major League history to record 5,000 strikeouts. He ended up with a total of 5,714. Uh, that was 1,500 more than any other pitcher Man. at the time he retired. Randy Johnson ended up at 4,875. Uh, Clemens ended up at 4,672. Steve Carlton at 4,136, and our guy Burt, number five, all-time on strikeouts, 3,701. But uh, on that night, uh, in uh, he struck out, as they, as they told you there, Ricky Henderson for the last, uh, for the 5,000th strikeout. And then Ricky said, I guess mom <laughs> do knows best. Uh, he, he went to a full count, fouled off two pitches at three and two, and then struck out at a low 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Roland Ryan was 42 at the time and still throwing 96. After the game, Ricky Henderson told the New York Times, it was an honor to be the 5,000. <laughs> as Davey Lopez, as Davey Lope says, if he ain't struck you out, you ain't nobody. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. And, uh, of course, it, it is amazing when you consider that like guys like Cy Young and that struck out, I mean, had 407 victories because they made, mm-hmm. you know, they started 60 games a year that uh, all the strikeout guys are all modern, uh, right. all modern guys. But uh, nobody ever liked this guy. And of course, as we pointed out, he was, for some reason, he was still mad at Ricky in the 1985 All Star game. game. Knocked both him and Winfield down. Gave him a couple of bow ties, as he said. You know, I never got the chance to see him pitch live. Oh, yeah, I saw him a few times. Yeah. I uh, About as impressive as it gets. Yeah, and it, you know, the funny thing is he could throw 140, 50, 60 pitches, and the game still didn't take that long because he got the ball back and wound up. Yep, and here we go. All right. Nolan Ryan, This Day in History, August 22nd, 1989, strikeout number 5,000.